We're live. Hey, Smokey Smokey. No, no, no. <laughs> that's my line. That's actually Mary Rogers' line. Yeah, what I've been meaning. I don't even know what that's from, honestly. I don't either. It just sounds like a cool like code thing. It's like, I just always like that phrase, the eagle has landed. Yeah. Right. Would you? Do we need like radio call names? We should. Yeah. I wish we could have callers like call in. That'd be fun. Hey, caller, you're on the radio. That's right. You're we just have air. we just give your cell phone number. <laughs> we, we give your cell Please phone don't. number out, and we just like play it into the microphone. We'll post uh, phone numbers. Mine won't be on there. Father Brian's will be on there on the website, and uh, feel free to call him at any time. What yeah. about the time? <laughs> what about the time that I accidentally? It, you can't really call it a butt dial anymore with the iPhone, but somehow I managed to call you at like four a.m. And you answered like on the second ring. And the first thing you said, I felt so bad. I hear something and I'm like, what is that? Like I got up, my alarm went off. Somehow I called you and I'm hearing it. And I'm like, that's weird. What is that? And I, I'm like, oh. And it says I'm on the phone with you. I'm like, FB? You're like, yeah, you're right. It was like the most genuine thing of all time. But I relatively butt dialed you at like 4 a.m. Yeah. I was honored by the call. <laughs> no, I was just I was worried. I like, you know, it's, I feel like I'm like a parent, you know. It's that's like, right. It's like your kid calls at like four in the morning. Like, okay, what's going on? (laughs) What's going on? Steph finally like had it, and she's like, "I'm walking over, man." She kicked me out tonight. Yeah, exactly. Patrick's like walking along I-25. Yeah, yeah. Oh, the good old butt dial. The good old butt dial. Well, happy Lent. Happy Lent. It's kind of crazy. It always feels like it's like it's not that not that I've gone through that many of them. But it always it always comes up so quick. And the one thing I'm always so mad about is uh, no meat Friday. No meat Friday. <laughs> it's a real it's meat's a staple in my diet. So it's a real game. And I'm not a big fish guy. Yeah, me I neither. I love sushi. I don't but like fi- yeah, you do like sushi. I sushi's grown on me. I'm not a fish guy though. We always joke though, like when Catholics eat uh fish on Fridays and it's like this penance. And then you meet these Catholics and they're like they're eating like I don't know what's a, what's like an ex, like super nice sushi or totally like something really expensive and they're like oh yeah that life is rough you know <laughs> yeah I just can't justify like I remember the first I was going through RCIA and my wife's mom uh, Suzanne Suzanne love her she brought me Chipotle but like it was I was still trying to understand what was happening so she yeah. was like I'm gonna make his first meal super sweet make his first meal like easy. But there's no way she brought me Chipotle that I could show up and pay for a Chipotle burrito without the meat. <laughs> like, oh yeah, it that's, was a vegetarian yeah, like burrito a, on a Friday. She dropped it off here. It's the principle. It, that's right. right. I can't yeah. show up and spend nine, ten bucks on a meatless burrito. It's just the whole thing throws me for a loop. The fun, The first time I ever took Lent seriously, I was in college with uh, John Zimmer and. Father Jason Wunsch and Andy Rimstad. Gosh, and the Nate, whole crew. Nate Shearer, I wish I knew you guys back then. Nate Driscoll. Yeah, it'd be funny to see him. But we, it was my like first Ash Wednesday that I really fast. Like, I was like, yeah, like we're going to do this. I'm going to fast really hardcore. And it was so funny because we all agreed that we would, we would not eat until we went to mass on Ash Wednesday. And then we'd have like a meatless dinner afterwards. And we went to that Taco Bell you know the one on Baseline and Broadway? That's right. Next yeah. to the Starbucks and the yeah. where it used to be a Noah's Bagels. 
Was it Noah's bagels? Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. Was it? There was a bagel. Einstein. Einstein's. Was it Einstein? I think there's an Einstein there, yeah. I think so. Yeah. And now they've got in that complex, they've got like the brewery market. And That's right. Whatever. It's but, changed a lot. But we went there and I ate like 20 bean and cheese burritos from Taco <laughs> Bell. <laughs> And and the guys were like, "Hey, Larkin, you know the idea with with like fasting isn't that you fit three meals into one." <laughs> like, it was like it was so funny. Well, yeah. Well, there's a lot of ways to go with that. I, I it's been interesting, and I've been open about that whole thing with like my eating disorder. Like, I used to fast for diet, like to lose calories, yeah, and like restrict yourself. Right. But now trying to fast for a spiritual reason is like super interesting. Yeah. It's a weird, it's kind of a weird dynamic. It is a weird dynamic. I believe that. I believe that. I always laugh at Catholics too. Cause there's people are always like, well, how much do I have to fast? What is it? What constitutes fasting? And it's so funny. I don't know where this rule came from, but I think the U S bishops have some rule where they're like, probably the Germans. Was it like, like, was it a German council? They're like, you can have one full meal on Ash Wednesday and good Friday and two smaller meals, but in such a way that the two smaller meals don't exceed. That's and I'm right. like, what? Yeah, there was an. Equ- I, I heard that last year. There was like a, a weird equation that yeah. you can like somehow maneuver in a certain amount of meals. Yeah, and then you have people on the opposite extreme. One of the funny things. So Lent is forty days, but if you try to count them, do you know this? If you count the days from Ash Wednesday, and and good and um, Lent ends with uh, the Triduum. So with the Last Supper uh, on Holy Thursday, and uh, if you count the days that there's more than forty days, and the reason is because the church doesn't count Sundays. Oh, that's funny. So Sundays can never be a day of fasting because it's the day of the resurrection, and so you'll meet Catholics who are like, and I'm kind of one of them, where I'm like, if you're giving up something good for Lent, you don't fast on Sundays. Sunday is a day of of the resurrection. You don't fast on Sundays, but a lot of people are like. Cop out. Yeah, you're just, totally. You're just, you're just totally weak. So, okay, that's right. Because that was the first time I'd heard that last year was, let's just say, case in point, you gave up drinking or right. dessert or whatever it is. We could dive into that later. But Village people albums. That's, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I wasn't ready for that one. Uh, but if you gave that up, but then you could... It's totally fine to have a drink. You're giving that up for all of Lent, but then it's totally fine to have that drink on or ice cream or village people marathons on Sunday. Yep. Oh, it's interesting. But I will say, I mean, yeah, if what a, one of the guys I remember in seminary used to say, he was like, don't you just feel that Lent is kind of, you're not even really a Christian yet where you're giving things up because you love God. You're just living for 40 days the way you should live anyway. <laughs> totally. You're like, I'm like, yeah, I kind of, I kind of, that's true. Yeah. I was going to say the S word. My mom told me to stop saying the S word, not the, not the one that's about. Yeah. Which one are you? The, the word of what a vacuum does. Oh, rhymes with Huck. <laughs> We're going down a bad road here. <laughs> oh, that's true. <laughs> We're going down we'll a keep bad it with this. We'll keep it with this. Yeah. Okay. We got me on a. Uh, you mom, spun me out of control on village people. My mom doesn't want me. She's like, she's like Brian Larkin. She's like, do not use the the vacuum word. She doesn't say the vacuum word, but she's. It's so that's such a generational thing. My mom's generation, the word for what a vacuum does is a bad word for them. Mm-hmm. But it's not a bad word for for me. I'm like, is that really a bad word? But. Love my mother, fourth commandment, honor your father and mother. So. That's right. Love you, mom. 
She's the best. Does she ever? Did she ever show your dad, or had your dad ever mentioned the shout out? He did. Yeah, nice. I was at their house, and uh, we were uh, back on Super Bowl Sunday. That's right. Uh, which I just once again, I just don't understand how you like Tom Brady. Why is that? He just he just seems like the perfect guy to not like. He's you can admire his. I mean, his skill is incredible. You know, you know what everybody thinks. It's I'm like, just gathering all the things that I could just object to right now. But go ahead, keep going. <laughs> we'll just cut it off. It's fine. May may he repent of his sins and find salvation. I pray for that. It's go ahead. No, I want you know. So I have a question for you. Yeah. I think I want to hear about the time you had to wear ashes, and you were up at CU. That's right. And it, was, it seemed like a crowd that wasn't going to be real uh, thrilled about, you know, kind of Catholic exterior marks of devotion. What happened there? Where were you going to? Yeah. You, you, yeah. Went to, you went to, you were speaking or something. <laughs> this was last year. It was my first Ash Wednesday because the year before I was in RCIA. So I didn't do the ashes. And not only that, I was working here. So oh, yeah. it was kind of my like, like, okay, like I'm, I'm in it to win it now. And I was asked to speak on a mental health board up at CU for mm-hmm. athletes. And there was this whole program and, and blah, blah, blah. <clears throat> and, um, they brought it. There was like, it was actually like a pretty big thing up there of the speakers that were there. And then they asked some of these, some of us to come back and, and participate in just a honest panel from a player ex player perspective. Right. And I was super pumped on it. And then I remember like that week going into it, I was like looking at calendars and I was like, oh, cool. Ash Wednesday. Oh, cool. My speaking thing. They're on the same day. And I quickly started to have like truly like inner turmoil of like, what do I do? Like, do I, cause they, the, the way around it would have been, I would have gone to mass afterwards. Yeah. Like yeah. six o'clock, yeah, that makes but sense. kind of the Sunday thing of, I truly in my heart was like, I'm copping out. Like I could easily go to mass with you at 8am and get to Boulder by 11 and we're fine. Right. And I, or I could avoid it like, but I know what's right and I know what I need to do. So I like had to just pick up my bootstraps and go with it. And I ended up, Oh, I'll never forget that. I walked in and the keynote, we spoke after the keynote and the keynote was during lunch and it was up in uh, the athletic facility. So it's, this giant room is kind of their cafeteria for the athletes. Yeah. And I walk in and there's probably four or 500 people. I'm just looking for anybody wearing the ashes ashes. to go like sit next to and be like, not the odd duck. Uh, So I I couldn't find a soul. So one again, once again, it's like freshman year of high school. All over again, looking for like a friendly face. That's to sit right. Lunch with. Anybody? Oh, yeah. you like green? I like green yeah. too. Cool shirt. Uh, yeah. Couldn't find anything, and I get up there and I I finally like go and I sit down. I'm like, oh boy, here we go. And every person is kind of like walking by and just like looking at me, and they could be totally looking somewhere else. But when you have the cross for the first time, you're like, oh, they're definitely looking at me. And uh, but then what? Oddly enough, what kept kind of happening there was like a lot of people coming up that were like, oh, you're Catholic? Like right on. And like yeah. kind of like underground, under the table, like handshake, like, yeah, right. And then you kind of just like slowly that helped me get through it. Yeah. But it was a real, a real like stake in the ground going for it. 
No, it's it's a visible sign. It's kind of like Passover, like not to make too big of a jump, but it's yeah. You know, scripture scholars will say that in Exodus twelve, you know, they have to put the blood of the yeah. lamb on their door. Yeah. And if you think about it in that context, the the Jewish God has been doing all these sending these plagues on Egypt. Yeah. So you're not exactly popular. And then you have to mark your allegiance to him in a very public way. That's right. And scholars, that's a, they, they like to talk about how this is a very um, prominent sign of faith in Yahweh uh, that he, he was your God and you're going to put yourself out there because he's going to show up. But, you know, if he didn't show up, you got a bunch of lamb's blood on your door. You just don't look too good. <laughs> not, not great. Yeah. yeah, that's what it felt like walking in there because, again, typically this could be a whole nother episode, but a lot of like the mental health things that I'm involved in super liberal, very little faith, very progressive, you know? Yeah. Not super friendly to to any acronym. Like they're involved, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And especially, especially, um, from when you're in Boulder kind of scenario, like being Catholic, it's a, it's a major hurdle. So I walked yeah. in, it wasn't just like, I was like, oh, I'm going to go get lunch with somebody. Yeah. It's like, I walked into the thick of it. The yeah. other, the other probably best Lent one before I was confirmed, this had to be maybe when I was going through RCI, I was working in commercial real estate and I'll never forget this. My partner and I, we walked in to a business meeting and yep. one of the business owners, um, who we worked for, we were leasing his business building downtown and uh <laughs> the guy the guy that i worked with he's i think like 55 maybe we walk in and just totally over his head doesn't isn't even thinking about anything and our business owner walked in and my partner looks at me he's like oh dude i think you got uh you got some printer ink on your forehead and i look i knew luckily i knew what it was yeah but printer ink on your forehead and I look, I knew, luckily I knew what it was, Yeah. but I was like, no, it was like the most embarrassing interaction. And like, he meant no disrespect. He honestly yeah. just didn't line up Wednesday and the, everything that went into it. So is this before you were Catholic? I was going through RCA. Oh, during RCA. Yeah. Okay. So like, I kind of knew what was going on, but I was also like, <laughs> I kind of get it, but that's super embarrassing for you. I'm glad that wasn't me totally. to our, like literally our boss, like, totally. Hey man, you got printer ink. And he's like, no, it's, I'm actually Catholic. And like, had to like explain himself. And I was like, oh, this- that's an interesting, like a like printer ink. I mean, but it is, yeah. it's kind of like, if you see a big <laughs> black splotch on somebody's forehead and some sometimes like, like I've been distributing ashes, ashes, ashes now for years. And sometimes you really get a great cross and sometimes yeah. you don't. Yeah. It's really a bummer when you don't. Yeah. It's kind of weak <laughs> sauce. And, but, but I always think like, what would you get on your head that would look like that? I mean, yeah. printer, printer ink is an interesting. How often, take. yeah. How often are you like replacing the cartridge and like it gets on you and you're like, oh, I was tough. And <laughs> yeah, then you like totally. walked away. with it wiped over uh okay so this is a long-winded way of getting to our topic topic. today and i i am hoping um to get kind of dive into again now i'm starting to get my feet wet with lent Mm -hmm. but even you know i think conceptually for people who are cradle catholics and have been in you know catholic all their life there's a lot about lent there's a lot of there's a lot to it sure. to kind of dive into. So even just starting to help me explain to anybody at CU why I'm wearing the cross on my head, yep, on my forehead, 
why we're doing that. What is Lent? 40 days does not actually equal 40 days. Like all these right. kind of things that... That's a little in the weeds, but... Yeah, totally. But I think it's kind of a fascinating point though. Yeah. You know? So help me just understand broad stroke and we'll dive into the rest of it. But what is Lent? Yeah, I love Lent. Um, it's a great... T- One of the ways I think I would ex- explain things to people. So we live in Colorado. Way better than California. Objectively. <sighs> And you know who's it, from? Do you know who's from California? A lot of people, but do you know who? Uh, besides you. Yep. Um, Tom Brady. Yep. <laughs> okay, keep going. <laughs> One more reason like Colorado <laughs> better. <laughs> yeah, you know who's from Colorado is Jesus. That's he good. Tom Brady went to J. Sarah. Unfortunately, does not Catholic school. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But in Colorado, one of the things I love about Colorado. Now, I don't, I don't love winter, but I love the seasons in Colorado. Yeah. I used to love winter a lot more, but I actually do love the seasons because they, the, the changing kind of, you know, just in the weather and in the light and everything else, it, it there's something natural and human I feel like about that. And it makes it like, I don't know, it fits the human way of life. Yeah. And so it makes me appreciate like uh, summer more when it's not summer. And my favorite season is fall. I love fall. I love spring as well, but fall is my favorite. And I think in our lives, the the Catholic seasons do something like that for us, where uh, there are times of rejoicing, there are times of penance and mm-hmm. repentance, and you know those things can sometimes just be together all at once. It feels like, but but it's great in the in the church. The church gives us these seasons. And it, I think it really mirrors the Christian life. And so it's great to have Lent is a penitential season. And if you're always repenting, if your whole life, in some ways, like, and so Pope Benedict has a great quote. I quote him a lot. That's because he says everything better than me. But he has this great line where he says um, that metanoia, repentance, having a change of mind, change of heart, that that is the, the fundamental Christian action fundamental Christian act is metanoia. But there's, it's great to have a season for that. You know, it's like, I should always be repenting of my sins, but there's something about like, this is a time that is dedicated specifically to doing this. Yeah. And it's, it's super helpful. So Lent, what happened is in the early church, Lent was created really for people who are becoming Catholic, who are coming into the church and so they said we need to. They're going to come in at the Easter vigil, so the the night, uh, the first celebration of Easter is in the Saturday night. And uh, at the Easter vigil is when adults come into the Catholic Church. And so what what happened was early Christianity said we need a we need a time of preparation for these folks, where they're preparing their souls to be baptized and they're preparing to meet Christ. Uh, in the sacraments. And what happened was it was such a powerful thing is basically uh, the church said, this is good for everybody. Whoa. That's crazy. I didn't know that. Yeah. And so, so if you're in RCIA and again, if you, if you're new to this podcast, RCIA is the right of Christian initiation for adults, which is easy. <laughs> we just try to make things difficult. It is the worst. It, it, we're bad at that. Every time, every time there's a church, anything, it's always the most complicated word. We should come up with a new, like easy phrase for it. God, we should for sure. Like, I don't know. I don't even know either. But when, anytime someone asks me, what is RCA? I'm like, oh, we just call it the gauntlet. Yes. 
Come to the gauntlet. Step into Lent. Step into Lent. <laughs> no, but the um, so the church said this is so helpful, not just for people who are becoming Catholic, but it's really helpful for all of us. So it basically got extended to the whole church. And one thing I will say is that uh, people don't get this. One of the, one of my lines I like to say is that you can't feast if you don't fast. Right. So if you um, like like the best time to ever sit in the hot tub is after a day of skiing. It's like you had a hard day of skiing. You're cold. Yeah. You worked your body. You skied the moguls. You know, that hot tub is amazing. And there's something like that with Easter. I mean, people people who never do penance, who never like try to curb their kind of disordered desires and fight against sin in their life. And so they fast from something. If you never do that, then the moment of joy is is not as great. Totally. You know, it's like there's water tastes better to a man who's been thirsty than it does to someone who's never gone without. So interesting, which is kind of, I mean, again, not growing up ever practicing it, but Mm -hmm. just from, I would say it's not very uncommon to kind of perceive Lent as you're giving up something that should be hard for you to give up, but for whatever reason for 40 days and then you get to Easter. Yeah. Yeah, and so it's it's a more intentional. I think it's it's a little bit like preparing for something. So if you're, um, I don't know, if you're when you got married, there's a there's a period of preparation where you're really excited to enter into marriage with your wife. Yep. Uh, and so there's something like that for big moments in our lives. We want to get ready for them. We want to be set for a big game. You know, you're like. Or like back in the day when I ran a marathon with my brother, God knows why I did that. Um, there's a period of preparation. You want to be set. You want to be ready for something that's really big. And um, and Lent, what is more important than the moment of our redemption? Good Friday, Holy Saturday, Easter Sunday. Uh, this is the moment that Christ redeemed us. And I want my soul to be ready for that. Mm-hmm. And we, we really need that. And so, so the church recommends three practices. We usually think of Lent as just giving something up, but there's actually three practices the church recommends and exhorts us to during these 40 days. This is Matthew so. 6, right? Matthew 6. Nice. I'm proud of you. I'm very proud of you. Thank you so much. Are you going to admit to your sin? <laughs> we may have rehearsed that because I'm, I'm tired of Father <laughs> Brian beating me up with his questions that I don't know. So I said, hey, man, give me, a, give me a little insight as to where we're going today. And he's like, well, I think we should go Matthew 6. I'm like, totally. Let's, we'll go for Matthew 6, yeah, please. You, know, you were like, that's what I was thinking. That's exact. Prayers, yeah. fasting, and almsgiving. Very good. How would I, you know, who doesn't know that? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I don't know. That's right. I don't know. But the, so, if you, so Matthew 6 is part of the Sermon on the Mount. And so the Sermon on the Mount runs from Matthew chapter 5 to the end of chapter 7. Okay. It begins with the Beatitudes. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Theirs is the kingdom of God. Um, the eight Beatitudes. And then it works its way through, you know, all kinds of teachings. And then at the end of chapter 7 is where Jesus gives that teaching and he says, uh, anyone who hears these words of mine and does them is like the wise man who built his house on rock. And then the foolish man is the one who hears his words but does not do them. And Jesus says it's like a man who built his house on sand. And the rains fell and the floods came and the winds blew and the house collapses. 
I think that's where the three little pigs thing comes from. <laughs> I always say that, but I really do think that. I think yeah. I said that in RCIA this year, but it's like, I'm like, it's, it sounds like the I'll huff and I'll puff and I'll yeah. blow your ass down. <laughs> I always think whoever wrote the three little pigs thing, like that's, they stole that from Matthew seven. That is interesting. I was thinking to myself right there, like, why is it though that the house on the sand is the most tempting and the most expensive? Cause it's got the best view. It's like, it's like most properties in California. Yeah, but you don't want to do that. California, they always sink into the ocean. <laughs> Yeah, that's the issue. Right? That, that's exactly, exactly it. Is like, yeah. why do we always want to build our house on sand? Yeah, that's gonna got be a hell that of a sounds view. like a sermon right there. That's right. Why are you building your house on sand? That's right. No, so the so the three big ones. So what you should be doing for Lent, and I think all of us should should do something in each of those three areas. So we should uh, pray, and we should be looking at our prayer life and like, um, how are we relating to God? Are we feeding our souls with prayer? We need to fast. We need to give something up. Now, fasting can be food. All of us together fast from meat on Fridays. The church asks us to do that together. And if you've ever done a fast, my friend Brittany Brown, oh, Brittany Ferguson, I always say it's just a hard, that's one of those hard names because Brittany Brown like has that kind of nice alliteration. Yeah. Uh, but Brittany Ferguson, she's always like really good about like fasting from things and being very disciplined and, um, she tries to get me to do fasts with her and it's easier. If you're going to fast, it's with easier someone. to do it with totally. someone. So there's something about the church and, and our communion together. We're doing Lent. We all fast from meat on Fridays and then we do actual fasting from food in general on Ash Wednesday and Good Friday. Um, means that we, we give money to the poor. We help the poor. Uh, and this is not the same thing as your tithe to the church. Like all of us should be at least working towards generosity towards the church uh, in some way, financially. Uh, but this is over and above that. This is this is specifically we love the poor, we take care of them, and uh, yeah, those are the three practices. <laughs> it's so interesting hearing that. So just, again, going back to before I know what I know now, before I knew what I know now, I, I had no idea about the three I'd always heard about, you know, I'm giving up chocolate for Lent or ice cream or something like that. Um, and now trying to grow in all three, but it was really funny. The other day, Steph texted me and was like, hey, I bought us these prayer books for Lent. And I like, I'm still, I can easily do the fasting and the almsgiving, yeah. but I'm growing in my like holy hour. We've talked about it before. Like my holy hour concept is so really tough for me. Yeah. Like that's my biggest area of improvement. But as soon as I got that, I was like, oh, there's like a 45 minute prayer now. Like, what am I going to do? You know, <laughs> I had to admit it. It was like, I was like, oh yeah, I'm so excited. I can't wait for that to arrive. Um, why meet on Friday though? Where did that's the church? That's a good question. Yeah. The, so all through the year, the church asks us to um, do some kind of fast on Fridays. And I would just confess, I'm bad at this. I've got to get better. Interesting. At... Yeah, I didn't know that. So every Friday, all of us are supposed to do some kind of sacrifice. Yeah. And this is the obvious reason why we do this is because Jesus died on a Friday. And as human beings, you know, it's kind of like similar to the sacraments that because we have bodies, we need to do physical things. Yep. If, if we only do things that are spiritual, but they're not tied to physical, 
the faith begins to, to not be real in our lives. Mm-hmm. God made us the bodies. Our bodies are good. We need to do things. So, so every Friday during the year, we're supposed to do something to remember that Jesus died for me on a Friday. And if I, so in the companions and I do, I'm, I'm pretty good about this. I could do better. In the companions, we decided as a community that we would try to fast from media on Fridays. Oh, nice. So we try not to listen to the radio or to watch movies or read the news or things online. Um, as a sacrifice to remember that Christ made a sacrifice for me on a Friday. And it's weird if you love someone for them to sacrifice and you never do. Yeah. Yeah. So, but meat was, it came and I always hear this rumor. People always say like, Oh, this is because they, the fishermen in Florence or something wanted to make money. So they convinced the church. I don't know how much merit there is to that. It doesn't really matter though. The church basically just saying though, all of us together, let's, let's do this. It used to be every Friday, and this is kind of interesting, at Vatican II in the 60s, the largest church council in history, uh, is really the first time you have modern transportation kind of going for a church council. And so we had bishops from all over the world that showed up. Where was that again? In the Vatican. Vatican II, yep. Okay. Yeah, Vatican II in the Vatican. <sighs> but what happened was all these bishops from these poorer countries talked about how they never eat meat anyways. And so, so the church was like, oh, well, it doesn't make sense to have a Friday fast from meat every Friday if these guys never eat meat anyways. It's not a oh, meaningful wow. fast. So yeah. we think of like, you know, if you're in Italy, you want some nice like pancetta or something. Yeah. Um, that's a sacrifice for you. But in, you know, a poor country maybe where they don't get meat very often, it's, it doesn't mean much to this. It's, it's a meaningful totally. sacrifice. Totally. So. Interesting. Um, and it could change. Like the church could say, hey, you know what? Whatever. Let's. Let, we need to do something for the sake of sacrificing together. And we're in this together. We all love Christ. So they could change it to something else. You know, they, they could make it a media fast on Fridays. Um, but basically the bishops have said, we'll leave that up to each individual Christian. And in Lent, we'll do this together. Oh, that's interesting. So I didn't realize that. That was a hard adjustment getting into try i meat is such a staple now i feel yep. like it's first world problems now that you just, what is, you just it, said it, it is first world problems. you know so. but like it is such a staple um and to try to adjust now of like what i can eat but i can't have and you can have fish yeah but it was it's definitely it is i i see the point though of like it is again talking about like seasons and the church's seasons and all that kind of stuff like it is something different yeah same with more on the cross and maybe that's another question too but it is something different to just show your faith and to recognize your faith it's got to become real you know like i think of that that verse john 114 you know the word became flesh and dwelt among us and so in john 114 the word of god who is jesus christ the son of god he became flesh. He literally, you know, took on flesh. But I think it also says something about our life is that your faith can't just be words or thoughts or ideas. It has to become enfleshed. It's got to be lived out concretely. And, you know, this is one of the great things about the Catholic faith is that the church gives us ways to enflesh our faith. That it's not just, well, I believe in Jesus, and not to pick on anybody with that, but... We need that. We need that. And so like in Matthew 6, it's so cool. So if you're listening to this or watching on YouTube, whatever, um, Matthew 6 is such a great chapter. 
Jesus assumes that you're doing these things. And so he gives in Matthew 6 teachings on um, almsgiving, prayer, and fasting. And so, uh, when he, but it's so cool. He says, uh, so let's look at this a little bit. So Jesus talks about, he says, um, verse 2, he says, When you give alms, sound no trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets that they may be praised by men. Truly I say to you, they have the reward. But when you give alms, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your alms may be in secret, and your father who sees in secret will repay you, is actually what the Greek says. Um, that's a whole nother podcast, but Protestants don't like the idea, and Catholics either, there's something weird about the idea that God could owe us something. Oh, that's interesting. Okay. Um, but that's actually all over the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus will say that our Father who sees in secret will repay you. Augustine has one of my favorite quotes here. He says, uh, this is from the Confessions. He says, Blessed are you, Lord our God, um, uh, for in your mercy you deign to become a debtor to those whom you release from every debt. You deign to become a debtor. So God God can't really owe me anything. Everything I have is from him. It's kind of like when, like, if, like, a parent, like, tells a kid, like, hey, if you do your chore, ma, I promise I'll give you 10 bucks. Yeah. It's only because of something like that. But Augustine, I love it. So the, what he's playing off of here is the word for sin in the, in the Our Father is debt, Ophelia Mata. And God releases us from every debt, every sin. But he deigns, he humbles himself, and he chooses to, to, that he could actually owe us something if we, uh, if we obey his commandments. Wow. And that's what he says here, right? Um, your father who sees in secret will repay you. Um, he's going to say that again in verse 6. Um, he's going to say it in a, a number of different places. Verse, um, what verse is that right there? That's verse 18. He'll talk about that with fasting as well. Pretty interesting stuff, isn't it? That's crazy. Um, when we say to focus on prayer, so I guess with the concept of it, we're just starting Lent, right? So if you're going to kind of, whether this is new to you or you're kind of just realizing you, maybe you want to change, giving up, you know, I think there's an just realizing you, maybe you want to change, giving up, you know, I think there's an interesting point to be made of giving up ice cream or giving up uh, coffee or any right. of that kind of stuff may, may be fine, but from the purpose of like, and I've heard this before and I've done it myself, but if like giving up, I'm going to give up ice cream for Lent to lose weight right. type of scenario. Like as we're stepping into Lent and really going to try to dedicate the next 40 plus days to this, what's, what are kind of the practical takeaways for or your advice for prayers, fasting and almsgiving of like, what does that actually look like when trying to focus on prayer and what should the intent behind the fasting be? Right. And same with the almsgiving uh, when you're saying like outside of the tithe, how does that kind of, how, what are your thoughts on that? There's so much here, but, <clears throat> but there's a great line. So Thomas Merton who, you know, one of my principles is a, uh, in, in the faith is no one's perfect. And Thomas Merton kind of ran off the rails wise. And some of his books are some of the best stuff I've ever read. Uh, but anyway, so Thomas Merton has a great line where he says, um, 
He says the key to life is discerning the difference between what is urgent and what is important. The key to life is discerning the difference between what is urgent and what is important. And here's, here's a simple point. Um, most of us live our life just always doing what is urgent. Yeah. But things that are important in life, they actually, t- and the, the most important things in life, they tend not to be urgent. And so, so with Lent, right, you might live your life thinking, I want to lose weight right now. Or I want to um, be better with my finances right now. And that's good. That there's nothing wrong with those things. The most important things in life don't have a due date on your calendar. Mm. Um, become a merciful person. Um, overcome your greatest sin. It's super important. It's not particularly urgent. And one of the reasons Lent is so good, right, grow in love for God. There's no, there's no due date on your calendar that says, by this date, I need to know how to pray in silence for an hour. I would argue that's one of the most important things you can do in your entire life. Mm-hmm. It's really difficult, and it's not urgent, but it is important. Yeah. Does that make sense? 100%. Well, and I feel like, and you see it in the diet world all the time from the standpoint of like fasting, right? Where when you, when you do put it on your calendar and you say for the next 40 days, I'm not going to have ice cream on day 41, typically not everyone, but for sure majority go off the handlebars day 41, right? Like you see with yo-yo dieting all the time, all the studies show fasting and diets. Did you just say yo-yo diet dieting? Yeah. So the concept visually, if you're on YouTube, you're basically trying to diet and then you're going to bounce back the other way. So like if you track and it really started when they would, when you track out your weight through dieting over the years, it yo-yos up and down because you're super restrictive then you no longer, your body can't have that threshold and it bounces back the other way. So it is kind of interesting to hear you say the things that matter don't necessarily have the due date and it's kind of this marathon and not a sprint yeah exactly and lent though gives us a time where most of my life i'm so guilty of this i'm just like i'm always late you know to church no (laughs) i know yeah you're not but anyway but i'm always late to things i've always got a thousand things on my plate and i'm always worried that i didn't respond to that email when i say mass one of the things about me facing the other direction in mass that's kind of nice is i used to when i would face the congregation I would see all the people who I hadn't responded to in an email. I'm like, oh crud. And it was distracting. I'm like, I'm trying to pray mass and I'm like, oh, I owe her an email. That's right. Man, dang it. And now I can just face Jesus on the cross. And it's much, it's liberating. It's really freeing to just be focused on him. But anyway, we're so focused, fixated on those things. Lent gives me this opportunity. It's not about losing five pounds. It is not about having a more balanced checkbook. Nothing's wrong with those things. It is about the love of God, which is more important than anything in your life. It is the first commandment, right? Jesus says the two great commandments are to love the Lord your God with all your heart, your mind, your soul, and your strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself. How are you doing with that? Yeah. How are you doing with that? And how? when was the last time you thought intentionally about the most important thing in your entire life 
which is learning how to love God. And so the, the disciplines of Lent, what they're meant to do is they're meant to say, I've got to be, so, I've got to stop being self focused. And so it's interesting that people can pick penances sometimes that actually reinforce the fixation on self. What do you mean? So like giving up something to, to lose weight. Okay. Totally. Yeah. And, and the whole purpose of giving something up is to take the focus off myself. I'm going to say no to myself. And while I'm saying no to myself, I'm going to focus on the two great commandments. I'm going to love God and I'm going to love my neighbor. Yep. And the New Testament, one of the ways we love our neighbor, one of the dominant images to love your neighbor in the New Testament is almsgiving. It's to love the poor who are suffering. And what do I worry about all the time? I'm, you know, I'm as guilty of this as anybody. You know, with the pandemic, I've seen articles on like, what's your Amazon addiction? Didn't you say that? Wasn't there like something about, no, you didn't. Not me. Someone was telling me about, you know, what is it you've been spending money on Amazon and how do you get off of that once the pandemic is winding down? Um, and I'm guilty of this, you know, you, you're, I'm like, oh man, what, what commentary? Yeah. And I didn't have it. I know. I know know you were thinking the same thing. You're like, man. And I I heard another priest in Denver shout out to Father Doug Grandin, his great priest. And he was like talking about this great commentary on Hebrews. I was like, ooh, I need that commentary. So I went and bought the commentary on Hebrews. It's my guilty pleasure. (laughs) Which is a giant book all in of itself. I'm over here thinking about like my addiction on Amazon has been like random things around the house and like (laughs) all these like things I've actually never even used just at the time thought. And you're over here talking about your like new bookshelf item. That's, that's phenomenal. Oh, and I, yeah. In Hebrews, I want to know Hebrews better than I do, but I, but I love this with Lent. So I, this is one way to look at it is that to, to love others, I've got to be less selfish. Yep. Right. I've got to, I've got to, N.T. Wright has that great image that I love about. He says, Christians need to go through a Copernican revolution where they stop thinking that the sun goes around the earth. So in other words, Life isn't supposed to be, I'm the center of the universe and God circles around me, but the other way around that the sun goes around the, or sorry, the earth goes around the sun. Yep. And so in, in Lent, there's a concrete way of doing this. It isn't about losing five pounds. It's not about, you know, having better finances. It's not about being more intelligent. It's about, I am not the center and I am going to try to fulfill the two great commandments by taking the focus off myself through fasting so I'm going to deny myself and I'm going to stop drinking as much, even though I like to have a bourbon at night. And I, God knows I do. Um, I love gelato. I love whatever it might be. Um, or it could be the radio in your car. You know, yep. turn that off. But then turn towards the others. And this is where I think part of the reason we as Catholics, where Lent doesn't work is you're not supposed to just say no. You're supposed to say yes. You are supposed to be in love with God and you're supposed to feed that love of God. And how can you do that? Prayer. Right? And totally. so and so, f- that's the most important thing you can do probably is to just feed that love. And totally. so, and so f- that's the most important thing you can do probably is to just feed that love of God. You can't love God if you never talk to him. If you never spend time with someone, he'll become an idea and not a person. Yep. And, you know, you can like ideas. You can be like, ooh, that's a cool idea. You know, like Elon Musk, like, what are the tunnels he's building, like, for, like, the bullet trains or something? The speed trains, yeah. Yeah, it's like, ooh, that's a cool idea. 
but you like ideas and you, we talk about loving ideas, but, but not in the same sense. You really only love people. And you've got to love God and you can't, you can't love God if you don't spend time with him. And so we got to do that. That's prayer. And you can do that. You can bring a book to prayer. You know, you talk about being in your holy hour. Holy hours are hard. And I would encourage people. So you asked about practicals. You've, you know, smart goals people talk about in business. Yep. And there's something to that. Be realistic. But I will say like when I learned to pray, I started doing holy hours when I was a focused missionary. Steph probably has stories about this too. Oh yeah. But like, no one, no one was used to being in prayer for an hour. <laughs> Everyone in focus was like, and if you're on YouTube, you could see this, but it's like, you'd always be like trying to like prove to everybody that you knew what you're doing. Cause we're all insecure. And so everybody's like, totally. <laughs> and every like couple minutes you look up and you're like, is that guy praying? Yeah. Oh, he's still going. Yeah. I wonder what she's, what is she praying about? You know, like, and you kind of look around and I didn't even know, like we'd have like the prayers for like the rosary and stuff Yeah, and different other different prayers. And I didn't know them all. And you just kind of mumble. Totally. You know, you're praying like, you're praying like the memorare and you're like, remember most gracious Virgin Mary, but you don't know the words. So you just kind of mumble. You fake it till you make it. Totally. There's something to that, but take a book, but be practical. Like do something that you're going to stick with. But like St. Ignatius of Loyola would say, sometimes you're in your prayer time, you're going to be tempted to cut it off short. And he says, do the opposite. He says, go longer then. If Satan's yeah. like, hey, you can't make it for a full half hour. Just is 25, that's good. He says, if, if you feel that, he says, go for 35. Um, but then almsgiving too, we should talk about that. But almsgiving is, is a way of us loving our neighbor. It's a way of loving the poor and not just like, Sometimes I think we hear love your neighbor and we think, oh, be a nice person. Like in the New Testament, there's a massive emphasis on almsgiving. Loving your neighbor very frequently in the New Testament means you give money to the poor. And I personally think probably the best way to do that is not handing out to panhandlers. I think it's great with panhandlers what you can do. My friend Matt, Matt Rudolph does this. I'm so, he's awesome. Uh, Matt puts together like those blessing bags. Yeah. So he has, a, I'm, I have a bunch of bags. I've been meaning to do this in my car. So, so get some plastic bags and, uh, or paper bags, whatever, put some food in there, like a sandwich, puts it, put a toothbrush, put some socks. Homeless people need socks a lot. Um, put together a blessing bag and then hand that to a person, but then donate money. If you're giving me money, give it to an organization that, cares for the poor or find someone in your community. I want to do this. We should do this. I want to find someone in, in our community who just, maybe they're not, they're not on the streets, but they're struggling to make rent payments. Yeah. Let's get five families together and let's go pay the rent for a single mom for the next six months. Totally. Yeah. <laughs> right. When you said that earlier where, you know, it says, don't let your right hand know what your left hand's doing. And mm -hmm. I feel like all too often it's, it's so interesting how that's so conflicting sometimes where it's like, you want to be known as the best, the most generous, Yeah. you know, and it's hard to not, yep. we, you and I both know there's someone for me, especially comes to mind right now, who's been adamant in their life of always remaining anonymous. Yeah. And, and if you know, it's only because in my role, like I'm, the one receiving the phone call about the, yeah. the generosity, but there's no one that knows. Yeah. We, we should just ex explain. I won't tell who it is, but yeah. 
I mean, I, I'm, yeah, I, I it, like to remain anonymous. Totally. This <laughs> is <laughs> <laughs> not me. This is, but Patrick's our development director. So he deals with all kinds of people. Yeah. But a lot of people who have, are people of means. And there's one in particular that we know, but there's, there's a, there's a, there's a bunch, there's a bunch. And I just find it, I find it fascinating. And I, and I just totally respect a lot of those families because I could see how it would be so tempting. And I, and you kind of see it in the day of like social media now where everyone's out to do the right thing, you know, and they want to raise awareness about this and that, or they want to be the person, but then they also, they want to get to a million followers. Yep. They want to be the one. So is it really your intention to actually do good or are you trying to become famous? Yeah. You know, like what's the, and I kind of find that what's interesting about Lent and, and really trying to see like, like I said, even as I'm trying to grow in that understanding, like I was joking with Father Brian with you earlier saying like this year I was, it kind of crossed my mind. I was starting to get in this, like I'm getting in this habit now. I moved recently, Steph and I moved and on my drive. It's good you moved with your wife. That, yeah, that was a big, that was a big step. <laughs> Hence why I butt I'll do that one time. Um, but I passed Starbucks and it's now starting to become a habit where I know you and I both know better than anybody that if I show up to work, there's plenty of coffee. We have coffee all day long, but it's this thing now of just like, it's a longer commute. It's kind of nice to just stop. You know, I could totally make coffee before I go. I have it when I get here, but instead I'm about to spend $7 on your orange mocha frappuccino. Yeah. On my mocha frapp. Orange mocha frappuccino. (laughs) And luckily they took off the uh, pumpkin spice, but, um, and it had nothing to do with the actual need of caffeine. It was becoming like a habit. So I had, yeah. I told Seth this today. I was like, I want to give up Starbucks, not because I'm giving up caffeine or any of that stuff that I don't care about, but the the side of like it's now just becoming a thing. Like I don't want it to become a thing. Yeah. Um. But then also trying to like, as you're saying that, like saying okay, when you and I were talking about that, and just f- fill in anything that I'm missing here, but. What I sh- the way I could be thinking about that is I want to give up Starbucks and instead of spending that seven bucks a day, I can then turn around and give that to exactly. a family in need. I can there's a there's a bigger purpose outside of just like I don't want it to become a habit for myself. Therefore, I'm just gonna not stop at Starbucks and I'm just gonna listen to the radio and zone out. Yeah, you know, like there's nope. an interesting way to kind of weave in prayer, fasting, and almsgiving. They all fit together. They all fit together, which again, like I didn't even know there was three. I always just thought it was like, what am I giving up that I can then binge on on day, you know, on Easter at brunch? Like I'm going to give up pancakes and I'm going to go off the deep end. So there was, uh, this is funny. So I don't know if I told you this, but like, so I, I was supposed to go on the Augustine Institute live show with Tim Gray. That's right. Right. Yeah. So I got booted. (gasps) I know. What? I know they booted me. They booted me for Cardinal George Pell. What? I know. I wrote. I wrote uh, Tim Gray's assistant back, and I was like, "I can't believe you booted me for Cardinal Pell," <laughs> and it made her laugh. He's a big deal. Cardinal yeah, Pell, Cardinal Pell is an amazing, amazing man. Um, but we were going to talk, I think, about did they give you? They couldn't give you like stuff. the pre-show or anything, or what? We're going to do one later. I think. Oh, good. So I know I'm not, I'm not exactly like a B list, you know, Catholic. I'm more like a D list yeah, yeah, yeah. Catholic, you know. No, we but, promise we'll have you on at some point. Don't worry yeah, about yeah. it. Hey, 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 when when we don't get a better offer, you know? Yeah. We'll keep you on our yeah. back pocket. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. yeah, I love it. Yeah. 
but Tim and I, I think we we're gonna we were gonna talk about some of this stuff. But with almsgiving is so cool. With almsgiving, the the connection here. There's so much we could do a whole podcast on almsgiving. All like one of the words in the New Testament, the word for mercy, actually literally means almsgiving. In Whoa, the New that's crazy. Yeah, and and kind of the the connection here is that all of us are poor before God. And so when we, when we want God to love us and to have mercy on us, is that one of the problems that people have with the poor, and I know I do too, is that we think we're not poor. Right. But we are. And uh, what's happening in almsgiving is, you know, the day I die, I'm going to go before God and I'm going to say, he's going to say, Brian, you know, you, did, you, have, a, you have a huge debt Right, sin creates a debt. That's what the Our Father says. It's a, the the Greek says, "Forgive us our debts, as we forgive those who are indebted to us." Great parable about this is Matthew eighteen, where there is the parable of the unmerciful servant, where the king forgives his first servant uh, uh, ten thousand talents, a huge debt, massive debt, and then the servant number one refuses to forgive servant number two, who owes him a much smaller debt, a hundred denarii. Um, and we could go into that, but we won't, but, but the point here is that I have this huge debt before God. And so we look at poor people and we sometimes think, why can't they get their act together? Totally. This is how God looks at us. And so at the end of my life, I, when God says, Brian, you have this huge debt, I'm going to ask him for his mercy. And when a poor person looks to us and they need help, they're asking for us to be merciful. And so almsgiving is this tremendous, tremendous way of reminding ourselves who we are. Yeah. Um, and it's a way of embracing the attitude of Jesus Christ towards us, uh, who is merciful, who poured out his riches upon us, the riches of his mercy. Um, and we can do that by loving the poor. And there's tons of scripture passages about this. Tobit is big on this. Uh, Sirach is big on this. Proverbs nineteen seventeen is a, is a big verse for this. Matthew twenty five is the most famous. Matthew twenty five is the, um, I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick, uh, and you came to heal me. I was in prison, you visited me, right? And so when we see the poor, we see God. Mm. Dang, that's powerful. Is that incredible stuff? And I would encourage. Have you ever done that? Have you ever like really helped out a poor person? I put you on the spot here. Uh, I feel like I have. Yeah. How did it feel? It's like the best feeling of all time. Isn't it? Yeah, it is. It is like, yeah. it is amazing. And I think, I think a lot of us are just nervous about doing that, but it's like, you will feel so alive and transformed. Gosh, I guess that's the thing though, too, is like going back to that point of like, I've never, I'm, there's one instance that I'm totally thinking of right now and I've never felt better. Honestly, like when you, when I got walked away and you don't know how it's going to impact them and you're just like, it's in yeah. their hands now, it's in God's hands. Um, but then also balancing like once you do that and you're like, man, that felt good. And you kind of want to go out and tell everybody, yeah, you know? So yeah. then, but then that becomes a slippery slope of right and left hand scenario of like, are you that excited? And you're like, what's your purpose in telling people? I feel like it'd be really hard to walk away from that situation and be like, okay. I'm not telling a soul. I'm not going to call yeah. Steph right now and tell her how good that felt. Totally. You know, because then how did does that ever, get perceived? Do you ever see Return to Me? Oh, I 
think you've talked about it. I don't know if I have. It's like this. I don't know. If, it's like early two thousands Catholic movie. It's one of no, my favorite movies. No, you have talked. That's right. It's I one of my favorite movies. There's a there's a benefactor to the zoo in that movie, and it's hilarious. And he's like, he's always walking around telling people about his very generous anonymous donation. <laughs> he's like, you know, my wife and I made that sizable anonymous donation. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and they're like, and the guy, one of the David Duchovny, is like, you know what? It's because of that anonymous donation, we're gonna put up a portrait of you in the gorilla house. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, yeah, it's super funny, but it's like, no one has pure intentions though. Right. No one has perfect intentions. We, we can work on it. It's yeah, okay if totally. you if you give money to a to a poor person, to a widow, to an orphan, and you feel good about it. It's okay to feel good. Yeah. You know that's okay. Like with time, we we can we can take ourselves more and more out of it. But that's a slow process, and it is a good thing, and it's good for you to just be generous. I guess it's kind of like <clears throat> in high school. Just hearing you say that, um, my high school football coach. We used to, we would, oh, we'd be in so much trouble if we celebrated after a touchdown. Yeah. And his number one saying was always act like you've been there before. Yeah. And it was kind of those things where like you score your first touchdown and like yeah. you're ready to rip off your pads, run in the stadium, Forrest Gump it out of there. You know, you're, you're just so ecstatic. Yeah. But then, yeah, maybe to a point, the more you do it, it's like, act like you've been like, this isn't. It should be a it's normal so thing different. for us. Totally. Jesus, like I That's, said, yes, exactly. In Matthew six, Jesus, Jesus doesn't, he doesn't command us to give alms in Matthew six. He assumes we already are. He assumes that you know that you have to be oh, doing this, point. and yeah. then he says, when you do this, don't let your left hand know what your right is doing. Yeah. And a really cool point on this <clears throat> is that this this is like so much of like politics and stuff. Um, the one of the things I disagree with people generally who are more liberal, they 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 are like we love the poor and we want the government to kind of do this and that and the other thing. Martin Luther is the one who starts that path. So in the Christian Middle Ages, almsgiving was understood to be every person's obligation. So in the Catholic High Middle Ages, people knew that it was a commandment of God that they love the poor. Wow, and so they did. They did it. Luther taught that it should be um, outsourced to the government, and I think that was one of the biggest mistakes Luther ever made, uh, because of what we talked about is like when you love a poor person, when you help them out, it's not just a social service. Yep, it's an act of Christian encounter with the Christian God, and when we what Jesus teaches in the New Testament is in the Old Testament as well is that when we love poor people, we actually encounter God in the face of the poor. And Mother Teresa got this. That's why she, she's famous for she would pick up lepers and she would refer to them as my Jesus. Wow. She would do that. And maybe last thing on this though, <clears throat> but I think this is a big thing for me is I'm like, I, with, with so many of our social problems, I don't think the government is the answer. I think Christian culture is the answer. What if, what if Jeff Bezos... You know, and Bill Gates, I think Bill Gates is really good about this, but what if Jeff Bezos was a really devout Catholic and there was a culture in Catholicism of we love the poor, then not only does Jeff Bezos, do we, do we have money flowing from an incredibly wealthy man, but also that incredibly wealthy man is encountering the humanity of poor people and he's encountering God in them. Totally. 
I love that stuff. Oh, it's powerful. But yeah, I mean, it is it is such an interesting time. I also think it's important to to your point earlier, making it a smart, you know, resolution or yeah, not resolution, smart, but yeah. a smart goal. Yep. Uh, because it is sometimes, and we talked about this with again why I hate New Year's resolutions, but picking something that is tough for sure, but yep. something that you can actually do. And, and we've do. talked about that with like the holy hour of just saying like, yep. I'm going to dive in. I'm going to start doing holy hours when I don't, I, I don't, you know, I get 10 minutes in, I start like freaking out. So to all of a sudden just say, okay, well starting, you know, as of two days ago, I'm doing a holy hour. And after like three days, I'd be like, no way. And then yeah. I'm burned out and you just give up like any of that kind of stuff. It is finding something that's practical that you can achieve and stretch yourself on. But then yep. if you do mess up or whatever, like it's again, just pick back up and, and go for it. Yep. Make it doable. And I would encourage everybody out there. Remember Christianity is about love. Yeah. And so we deny ourselves not to have a thinner waistline uh, or to have, you know, perfect hair or whatever it is. We do these things because we love God yeah. and we want to love God more. And I want to love God more. And that's not a static thing. It's something that's dynamic and it changes and you've got to feed your love for God. And so deny yourself uh, so that you can love God and you can love your neighbor. Well, one last question for you here. <clears throat> and you've mentioned it, but remind me again, as long as it's not a, maybe it's a whole nother episode, but um, how is it that fasting? Like uh, sometimes like, um, after confession, you get a penance where you're like, okay, I'm sinning in this area. Yeah. And you instruct, not necessarily you, but a priest would say, okay, well, fast, do this fast. And somehow, like, the fasting yeah. goes hand in hand of trying to help you overcome a well, sin, a temptation. I, th I think what you might be thinking of is <clears throat> so fasting falls, it's related to the virtue of temperance. Temperance is the virtue whereby my good desires are controlled by me instead of vice versa. Yep. So I can have a good desire for food, for alcohol, for entertainment, for sex, for um, sleep, whatever it is. And sometimes people with one of those areas, it's too hard for them. And so they say, you know what? I'm having a really hard time overcoming my love for alcohol. And so a priest might say, well, why don't you try uh, fasting from food? That's from right. From lunch on Fridays. Yep. Chastity, this is something I recommend to, to people who are struggling with chastity all the time, is it's good to fast from food because what you're doing, it, it might be too hard for them to say, I'm just really struggling with chastity. I can't seem to overcome it. And you say, well, fast from lunch on Friday and start doing that. And what happens is the muscle in your soul, using an analogy, the muscle in your soul that's, that says, I can say no to myself, you're exercising that muscle with food. That's the same muscle you need to grow for chastity. For chastity. That's what it was. Okay. Yeah. All right, everybody. Uh, thanks for listening in and uh, checking us out on YouTube. Uh, hit like. Tell your friends about us. Uh, we want people to know Jesus Christ and his love for them uh, and the redemption that is in him. So uh, the rant, Gregorian rant. Gregorian rant. You can email us at rant at lordsdenver.org. That is now up and running. Both of us, Father Brian and myself, has have access to it. So we are uh, checking that thing. We have a few questions in there that we will get to. And, uh, yeah, thanks for listening. See you next time.